For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Built for Playmakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of chopchat.com. Hope you guys are doing well. Man, it feels great to uh, start the year 1-0 for the first time since 2016, baby. Woo! Man, uh, really excited about this week coming up. Um, This episode is going to be just a real quick recap on the Duquesne game. Not going to spend much time on it, Um, but mostly want to get to my game-by-game predictions that I promised you guys last week and wasn't able to get into. Uh, but before we go any further, let me go ahead and uh, shout out our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Uh, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports contests and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Man, let me tell you, I had some picks in over this weekend, and... um, I started with a, a couple parlays, and uh, man, the first the first game that I put a bet in on lost, and hit on all the rest of them. So even though even though we kind of broke even for the most part, it sucks to be right on so many games and have one game to uh, to mess one bet up. But make sure you head over to uh, BetOnline at AG and uh, support uh, over there. So yeah, uh, want to know. Man, that was uh that was fun. That was fun. Um, quick thoughts on the game. I thought Jordan Travis looked the most comfortable that, you know, that we've seen him. Uh, he threw with the confidence. Almost every throw looked like it was the fourth and fourteen throw against Miami. Um, I have no quarrels with with him. I, mean, I know there was a couple times where you know he he hit a guy that was open, but there was somebody else open, but. You know, damn, that that's a good problem to have when you got multiple guys open. You just pick and pick and choose who you want to go to. Uh, my only gripe with him was, uh, and other people have probably said this, there was one time where he he broke out of the pocket and ran, and instead of sliding, he took a hit that he didn't need to to take. Um, so just been smart smart about that. Uh, just understanding that his health is a priority, especially with the backup quarterback situation. And look, I'm not even going to pile on. I said what I had to say about um, the backup situation. You know, it's Jordan Travis or bust, really. Um, hopefully, um, they'll go ahead and start giving uh, A.J. Duffy the rest of um, those snaps to prepare for the future. And that's that's all I will say about that. Man, talk about the running backs. Man, I can't remember the last time I saw FSU running backs running like that. I mean, they they ran with um 
it was a combination of patience, but it was like, you know, as soon as they saw the whole, they hit the hole with, with an, an explosiveness, with a physicality. And I know it was Duquesne, but man, they hit those holes hard. I mean, they ran hard. And I mean, that was, man, that was exciting. You know, that's, those boys are going to be a handful, man. I know, I know, you know, you're not going to have holes like that. Um, too too many times the rest of the year, more than likely. But uh, you know, you, we saw the offensive line open up holes the way they should for the most part. You know, there were a few few outside zone runs where they got a lot of penetration. Pre, excuse me, penetration. But at the same time, we have to understand that offensive line was playing man a gazillion different. Uh, that's my new word. It seems like gazillion. I'm using it a lot lately for some reason, but they were using a lot of different combinations on on the offensive line. So when, when you have that, you're going to have some uh, a lack of continuity, a lack of communication. So you're going to have some busts here and there. I really liked Dylan Gibbons at at center, and it kind of reminded me of the time uh, back when Jimbo was here when they uh, moved uh, Cam Irving to center, and that kind of solidified um, the offensive line for the rest of that year. But Man, I was really impressed with running backs. That, that, those guys going to be – if FSU can run like that – I mean, they're not, they're not going to run for 400 yards every game. But what I'm saying is if they can establish a run game like that, hey, teams are not want to go – they're not looking forward to tackling those guys for four quarters, I promise you. And so it's one of those things where if FSU can, can get early leads, establish a run – and, you know, get ahead and, and, and keep pounding that ball, you know, the, keep pounding it. By the time third or fourth quarter come, those guys, hey, they're going to bow out, I promise you. Especially when you, you're talking about the way Trayshawn Ward and, and Benson was running. And even Toy Philly. Toy Philly's not the most physical guy, but, I mean, he hit the hole hard. And, you know, he make he makes those cuts and makes those guys look ridiculous. But, man, I, I'm excited to see. I, I cannot wait to see. Uh, this matchup uh, this weekend with LSU. And I'm not sure if I will get an opportunity to record before uh, the LSU game. Uh, I will be appearing on um, my guy uh, Polk861 on his show Wednesday night. So um, make sure you check us out there. We're going to go in depth on LSU. So if I don't get a chance to to record before the end of the week, then you'll you'll get to hear what I need to what I have to say about LSU on his show. Um, man, wide receivers made plays. How about how about Portier? Boy, like a young all on Tate out there. Man, Johnny Wilson stretched the field. I, I wish he could have played longer. But, you know, they put enough on tape for him that, hey, you, you know he can go deep. Just put it that way. Um, who else? Michael Pittman. They did exactly what I thought they would do with Pittman. That's that's exactly what you need him to do. Just catch the ball, cross the middle, short yardage, get upfield, get 8 to 10, 12 yards, uh, move the chain, so forth and so on. Um, man, what about my guy Deuspan? Span already has – I mean – I was saying if we got 15 receptions for him for the year, like I, I would take that. And he's already got what three, and look really natural catching the ball. Whew, man, look, I know we give, I know we gave uh, Dugans a lot of crap for recruiting, but look, man, look, I gotta give him, I gotta give him his props. 
Uh, Deuce Band has really, really, really come a long way since the spring. And uh, look, if we're going to tell a guy, we're going to talk crap when a guy's not doing well, hey, you got to give him his flowers when he when he's putting in work. Hey, he's putting in some work with Deuce Band. So credit to Dugans and everybody else who's helping him develop and become a player that FSU is going to need uh, offensively. I really, I really wish we could have saw more from Malik McLean. You know, we saw the one catch and then uh, the one uh, DPI that got called on, on the ball that went to him. Um, but I would like to see a little more from him. But, you know, other than that offense, oh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Marquise and Douglas. He didn't, he didn't do much as far as um, catching the catching the ball, but he, he did uh, throw a few nice blocks that I saw. You know, so for a guy getting, you know, action for the first time, you know, hey, got to give him props out there. When we, you know, we really didn't expect much from him this year. So defensively, um, if we can uh, just throw out Greedy Vance, Jerry and Jones, and Amari Gaynor, hopefully Gaynor heals up. I know he got hurt, but my guy's a liability out there in coverage. So other than that, defensive line was fine. Uh, I know we've heard people talk about it already. You know, they got rid of the ball really quick, so that's why you didn't see as many sacks. But they still got pressure on him, even though they were getting rid of the ball um, really quickly. Linebackers flowed to the ball, physical, saw Tatum Bethune shoot through a gap, make a tackle for a loss. That's what we needed to see. That's what we were t- – I mentioned earlier um, this year when we were like UCF's defensive line wasn't very good, so he didn't have those opportunities to shoot gaps and make tackles like that. So you see when you got good defensive line play, what's possible. Um, so very excited about the um, the linebackers. I thought uh, AZ, Thomas, I know they called uh, DPI on that. I disagree. I, I You know, they, they let those guys play physical enough. I don't, That's why I was surprised that they threw the flag. I could see if they had been calling it tight uh and and threw the flag on that one but they had not been doing that so throwing the flag on that one i was like mm. i mean he was right in the guy's hip pocket i mean knocked the ball away look i'll take it can't give up the touchdown but you know he's a freshman it'll you know he'll learn from that um so defensively i am um i was i was happy for the most part um other than those three guys that i mentioned and Part of the reason those guys were out there for the most part, aside from Gaynor, was uh, Amarion Cooper uh, wasn't available. So if he plays against LSU, then that should remedy, hopefully, most of uh, those issues in the secondary. Uh, the other part is um, LSU probably – I'm sure they'll probably try to get rid of the ball fast sometimes, but I know they'll they'll probably try to make some plays vertically, which means the quarterback's got to hold the ball for a bit longer. So – That'll also give the uh, defensive line time to to make some noise and, and hopefully get back there to him. But I'm not going to talk about I'm not going to talk about LSU game. Uh, like I said, I'll, I'll save that for later. It looks like uh, FSU is uh, in some spots um, minus two uh, minus uh, I should say plus two and a half points. So still a slight underdog. Um, so not too much has changed since the uh, Duquesne game, and it and it shouldn't. I still think it's going to be a fairly low-scoring game, basically in the trenches. So, um, but I'll elaborate more on that um, on tomorrow night's show. But let's go ahead and get to the game by game predictions. I had I had the Duquesne game as a one, basically. I mean, I, I just I know Jacksonville State happened last year, but there's 
there was no way they were going to lose that game. So I had them at a one. So we can go ahead and skip. And so these also these these win shares are I, I wrote these numbers down before the Duquesne game. So I didn't adjust anything after Duquesne. So these are solely based on what my perception of the team was and my perception of the opposing teams were um, before last week. So uh, I had Duquesne at uh, one. I know mo most people probably had that at a 99, but I had it as a one. They, they won't lose in that game. LSU game. I have FSU at 0.45. You, um, you're at a neutral site game, but it is – I mean, essentially a home game for LSU. LSU is is more talented overall, although they don't have the continuity that you have. They have a lot of question marks. Uh, LSU, you know, FSU could very well win this game. If this game were, if this game were in Florida, I probably would have it basically at like a you know .50. But with it being in Louisiana, I'm going to give the edge to uh, the home crowd. But this is a game FSU can absolutely win. Uh, they just can't beat themselves with turnovers. And, you know, again, I say this game is going to be in the trenches and it's going to be low score. And it's basically going to be the team that makes the, the least amount of mistakes, in my opinion. So got the bye week after that game, which will be which will be good. You, you, we already have some injuries uh, that need uh, to, to heal up. And so this is going to be the LSU game is going to be really physical. So having a week, a bye week after LSU is a perfect opportunity for those guys to heal up and then also prepare for arguably the most important game on the schedule, especially depending on how the LSU game goes, uh, Louisville at Louisville uh, on a Friday night at 730. So here we go with FSU with a primetime game against LSU on Sunday night, a week off. And then guess what, baby? Your boys are back in primetime again on a Friday night against uh, Louisville. And Louisville is a team that they they don't really scare me talent-wise overall. Um, Malik Cunningham is the, the straw that stirs that drink over there. And, you know, they're going to go as he goes. Um, I really think if the offense shows up against Louisville, they, they should win that game. Uh, I'm not impressed with Louisville's defense. Um, they lost, you know, their two top wide receivers from last year. They did get some guys from the portal, but this game is on the road at night. Uh, you know, Louisville, you know, they can crank it up a little bit. The crowd there, I'm sure they'll be drinking all day and they'll be wild and all that good stuff that night. But FSU and and two, you got to look at the last two years. Um, LSU, um, LSU, Louisville has um has really put it on FSU the last couple of years. Um but I know some people think uh, you know Louisville took their foot off the gas in the second half of that game last year. They may have slightly. Um they were still throwing the ball and you know they didn't just shut it down and run it every single time. I mean Cunningham was still out there running uh you know trying to make plays so I am going to say that, you know, Fuller made an adjustment uh, in that game um, combined with maybe a little bit of Louisville shutting it down, but they didn't shut it down completely. So I have FSU at 0.55 on the 
on that game. So I have them as with an edge uh, going into that game, especially if they beat LSU. If they beat LSU, look out. Um, so after that, I have FSU taking on Boston College at home. Um, if you read my uh, 10 bowl predictions for the 2022 season, you uh, saw that I predicted that FSU was going to blow out Boston College this year. Um, I wasn't impressed with Boston College last year. Had them on my most overrated, uh, three most overrated teams on the schedule last year. I was right about that. Um, they have Phil Jerkovich. They have um, Zay Jones at wide receiver, and that's basically it. Uh, they have a brand new offensive line. Their defense, a lot of people talk up their defense, but their defense isn't very good. They they cannot stop the run whatsoever. And what's FSU do well? Run the ball well. So uh, I have FSU at a .75 in that game. Um, so I think, think they should take care of business in that one. Then we have Wake Forest next. Wake Forest will be uh, coming to town. Not sure about what will happen with uh, Sam Hartman at quarterback. At the time I wrote these numbers down, you know, he was, you know, declared out or whatever. Um, and so I took it as, you know, FSU's luck is if he comes back, it'll probably be the week of the game. But I was looking at it and they have a bye week, I think, after the FSU game. So I think it would be dumb on their part to bring him back against FSU. Um, I would wait until just after the bye week to bring him back. But nevertheless, either way, I still think FSU should win this game, whether he plays or not. Um, FSU is the more talented team overall. Their defense sucks. And I really think FSU can limit them uh, a bit better this year um, on offense than they did last year. I mean, having six turnovers last year didn't help. Having no offense last year didn't help. The referees, you know, blowing a couple of big calls early in the game didn't help, and the game was on the road. So I have FSU at also at .75 to to take uh, a, a win over uh, Wake Forest. Then to that, we travel up to NC State. Oh, I'm sure – Everybody's shaking in their boots with NC State. Uh, you know, it's a house of horrors for the nose and you know, blah, 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 blah. Look, man, I am not sold on NC State. I have I have this game as a .49 chance of winning. So basically a coin toss because it's on the road mainly. Um, NC State's offense does not scare me. Obviously, they couldn't do much against uh, a team last year where half the team had the flu. Again, that was a, another game. Last year, you heard me talk about a lot about FSU's defense feeding off the offense. If the offense scored, you know, that kind of motivated the defense. But look, in a lot of those games last year, Louisville, NC State, Clemson, Man, you just had no offense whatsoever, so it was hard to continue to go out there and get stops, get stops, get stops. Yes, NC State returns a lot of players uh, on offense and defense. Yes, they have a good defensive line, um, you know, all that good stuff. At the same time, FSU has upgraded compared to last year. Now, and all of these predictions are, of course, you know, considering Jordan Travis a quarterback and he's healthy. So um, I am not afraid of that matchup. 
against NC State. They uh, they try to kill you with you know uh, death by a thousand paper cuts. They're not really explosive. They don't run the ball that well. They lost both of their running backs from last year, I think it is. That is a team that you kind of have to bend but not break, and you got to keep them to field goals. And if you can hold them to field goals, you can have a shot to win that game, uh, in my opinion. So um, I have them, NC State, with a slight edge. So I have that at .49. That is a game I'm absolutely not writing as a definite L like some people are. I'm not I'm not afraid of NC State. Next game, uh, Clemson. Clemson comes to town. Uh, the, the biggest question mark with Clemson is, you know, they lost Venables as the defensive coordinator. They lost their offensive coordinator. They hired in-house. So you have some continuity there, but look, I don't care who you hire. You lose Venables, that's a downgrade. I don't care how long he worked with Venables, that's that's still a downgrade. Um, the only question is, Clemson is just as talented last year as they were this year. Are they going to improve on offense? That is the biggest question with Clemson. So I have this game as um, a .35 percentage um and you know, for the nose chance to win, and the reason I I, I give them uh, this and, the, and this is the lowest the lowest percentage game that I have. The reason I, I say that is this is still this is a team that's more talented than you, and you have they have a, a very very good running back over there, but Will Shipley their offensive line should be better, and I just can't see. I just can't see any way possible that DJ, uh, I cannot say his last name, uh, Ugale, can be any worse than he were, he was last year. And towards the end of the year last year, they seemed like they were beginning to figure out some things and they started to score points uh, a bit more than they were earlier in the year. And so knowing that they bring an elite defense, even though they lost Venables, they still have the talent that was there. And... Uh, I'm just expecting their offense to improve a tick or so uh, compared to last year. So as long as their defense is elite, you know, they'll they'll be in every game. So um, I feel like we match up better with them this year than we did last year. The game is at home. FSU can win that game. But that's this is probably the game that I least favor the Noles with a chance to win. But they have a shot. Uh, After that, we welcome Georgia Tech to Tallahassee for a chance to avenge the last time these two teams met uh, in the season opener to 20, 2020. Um, Georgia Tech lost most of their uh, talented players that they had. Not that they had a ton. They did have one elite guy. That's Jameer Gibbs who went to Alabama, the running back. Uh, their defense sucked last year. They had like 11 sacks. They had like 55 tackles for a loss. They got no pressure on the on the quarterback. You could run on them. You could throw on them. Offensively, their offense was Jameer Gibbs, and that was it. They they uh, are terrible at quarterback. So this is a game that FSU should win going away. And I have FSU at um, .80 um, in this one. So then that brings us to the Miami game. And I know a lot of people are, uh, for whatever reason, hyping Miami up. 
been really done. The only thing that has changed with Miami is they hired a new coach and a new coaching staff. And look, that coaching staff is not that much of an upgrade to try to, you know, make Miami a top 15 team. That's that's ridiculous. Now, their schedule will allow them to start out the season fairly well. Um, they played three cupcakes. I think three out of the first four games are against absolute nobodies. And so, you know, they'll get their first test against Texas A&M. So depending on how that game goes, they could, I mean, they could, you know, they're playing the weaker ACC Coastal. I mean, look, we just saw UNC, dang, go life and death with FAMU. And um, Virginia, you know, they, they're they not very good. Um, Pitt lost their top quarterback and wide receiver. So, look, man, I mean, they, they'll have a better record than that team is. Uh you know, so but as far as how we match up with them, I feel I feel like we match up with them fine. They couldn't run the ball last year. I don't expect them to be able to be able to run it that great this year, but that's something I know Crystal Ball will commit to. Um, they will be looking to run the ball and then do some play action on top of that. But look, if you can't run the ball, play action is not going to work. And then they lost their two top wide receivers from last year, and the, the transfer guys they brought in. I mean. The guy they got from Clemson, Ladson, Frank Ladson, had four catches for like 19 yards last year. So, I mean, he has less production than the transfer wide receivers that FSU brought in. So, defensively, I think you can run on Miami just as we did last year. So, I have that game as a .55 percentage in favor of FSU, even though the game's at Doak South. All right. So after that, I have us traveling up to Syracuse. Syracuse has one of the tougher schedules in the nation. Man, by the time this game rolls around, they will be beat the hell up. Um, they probably will not want to face a rushing attack that FSU will have. FSU is the more talented team. They're very one-dimensional. I know they have a new offensive coordinator and all that good stuff, but I don't think they're going to improve as a passing team that much in one year defensively, you know, they're not terrible, but I mean, heck FSU scored 30 on them last year. So, um, traveling up to Syracuse, I mean, you know, nobody bit the game, so that's not really a home, home field advantage for them. So this is a game FSU should win. I have this at a 0.75 favorite FSU. After that, FSU will welcome Louisiana, uh, where, Florida's uh, current head coach coached last year. You know, they won, they lost one game last year. Uh, they beat up on a lot of teams that were not very good. Um, lost a lot of the talent that they had. A lot of those guys transferred to Florida. Um, so this is a game that FSU is the more talented team. Um, yeah, they won a lot of games last year, but, I mean, who did they really beat? So, uh, FSU should win this game. I have this as a point eighty in favor of the Noles, which brings us to the finale against Florida. And this is a game that you just have no idea how it's going to go. Um, there's a lot of question marks for Florida, and a lot could change between now and this game's what November. You know how is Anthony Richardson going to do at quarterback? 
You know, they have questions on the offensive line. They have questions at wide receiver. They have questions on the defensive line. I mean, they could be beat the hell up by the time this game rolls around. And, man, FSU could 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 roll them. Then again, Anthony Richardson could be the real deal, and he could give us problems. Um, So this is a game where Florida is still probably more talented. They have a lot of questions, but they still have talent. So I have this as a .49 for FSU. So slight, slight, slightest of underdogs. And, um, but it's a game FSU absolutely could win. So when you tally, when you tally all of these up, I have that, that brings us to 7.73 wins, which if you've listened to the podcast before, I have been consistent with, I expect this team to go eight and four. So if you round it up 7.73, you know, get a break here, there, that's eight wins, um, with, with a chance with a chance to win nine, if they, you know, if things break right, if they win the LSU game, if they win the Louisville game, man, you talk about off to the races, baby. Woo. But, um, you know, if they, if they don't win the LSU game and they take it L to Louisville, then, you know, I mean, they should still they should still beat Boston College and Wake Forest, um, but then you know then you have those back to back games against NC State and Clemson. Um, you should beat Georgia Tech no matter what. Well, aside of Jordan Travis getting hurt, you should beat Syracuse. You should beat you know Louisiana. So uh, when you're looking at this, you got Duquesne as a win. You got, in my opinion, I got Boston College as a. I mean, you should win that game. Wake Forest. You should win that game. Georgia Tech, you should win that game. Louisiana, you should win that game. So that's five. That's five. Out of all the rest of the games, you can't find three wins. Right? So that's how I'm looking at it. Now, again, all this is dependent upon Jordan Travis's health. And of course, any major, you know, any major injuries. And look, FSU has had the worst injury luck of of that I can remember over the last few years. So they are due. I mean, look, they've already had you know guys get hurt, lost for the season. So uh, they are due for some good injury luck. Um, it's been a minute. So hopefully that happens, and um, these guys get to eight wins, and then look, we can get this, uh, we can get this this show on the road, and and get back to being uh, more nationally prominent. Um, but before I get out of here, I do want to shout out um, FSU bringing on Kazaya Holmes, the uh, former four-star running back from Penn State, who uh, apparently enrolled at FSU uh, this semester, and I don't think he's eligible for this year. So he, you know, he could be eligible next year. Um, but I wrote about I wrote about him a couple weeks ago when he entered the portal. Um, so if you haven't had a chance, um, I um, retweeted that on Monday night. So if you want some more information on uh, on that or, or my thoughts on that, um, I think it's a good addition. Um, he's uh, he's got to be a walk on because all the scholarships are gone. So if you can bring somebody like that in the in the room, considering that you could lose uh, Trey Benson and Treshawn Ward after this year, um, I think it's a smart move. If he's willing to enroll, which that's the case. So uh, 
hey, Mike Norvell, those guys have not missed on running backs. I mean, you could say maybe they missed on DJ Williams, but look, he's he left FSU and he's at a Power Five school in Arizona. So, um, those guys have an eye for talent and, a, and, a, and an and an eye for developing it. So, um, but with that said, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and get out of here and um, look forward to talking to you guys tomorrow night. And go notes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.